We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 10 this morning, if you want to be turning over there. A lot of you have been asking about Miss Pam and how she's doing after her surgery, and she's doing well. I'm glad to say that uh, she's been able to keep the pain under control, and she's just trying to heal up. Uh, it's hard to keep her down. I was telling Sunday school class this morning, you know, Miss Pam's one that uh, every morning when her feet hit the floor, she just starts working and usually finishes up about midnight. When she goes to bed, she's just that kind of a girl, and it's hard to keep her from uh, going and just running all the time. And so pray with me that uh, I'll not have to use duct tape. I know you're watching, honey. You didn't think that was funny at all, did you? Anyway, uh, just pray with me that she'll continue to heal. She misses everybody and looks forward to that time that she can be back in church services. But it's going to be a little while. She's got some healing to do, but... Thank you so much for those that have prayed and continue to pray. We appreciate it very, very much. It's hard for it's hard for me not to have her right here by my side, uh, uh, but God's grace is I'll make it through this. I think Hebrews uh, chapter number ten. Did I say chapter number ten or just Hebrews? Look on down in uh, chapter if you would, uh, verse number uh, twenty-three. Hebrews ten. And verse number 23. The Bible says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Uh, if you're going to leave your Bible open there, we're going to visit these verses a little bit as we go through the message. I just titled the message, uh, Church is Essential. Church is Essential. Are we good, Brother Joe? We okay? All right. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for loving us, caring about us, uh, guiding us, for saving our soul, Lord, when uh, we came to that place of realizing that we're, we're a sinner in need of a Savior, the conviction of the Holy Spirit was real. When we called upon your name, uh, Lord, right then and there, you saved us for eternity. We're thankful for that. And we're thankful that while you were here on this earth, uh, that you established the church. And Lord, it must be important because your word says that you purchased it with your own blood. And so, Lord, as we get into this message this morning, we just pray for your divine direction, uh, for power to preach, clarity of thought and speech, uh, guidance from your Spirit, um, a fullness, uh, Lord, of your Spirit, that we might say exactly what needs to be said. Oh, Lord, open the hearts and minds and eyes and ears of the hearers today, uh, Lord. And uh, again, even as already been prayed, if there's someone that's here that does not know Christ, speak to them clearly. Help them to come to the saving knowledge of Christ before it's too late. Bless and help us now through this message, we pray. And thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please do be seated. I guess this morning I want to try to challenge you in the area of... uh, loyalty and dedication and faithfulness to the church. 
You know, even as I just prayed, the, the church must be important because Jesus Christ himself started it. So it's got to be pretty important. And uh, the Bible does say that he purchased it with his own blood. That just makes it that much more important, in my eyes anyway, for sure, that that is the case. So I'm going to try to answer the question this morning, if I can, why, why do I need to go to church? I ran across something interesting several years ago that I've always thought, uh, well, let me read it to you. It's titled, Why Are Fire Trucks Red? Here's what it said. Uh, fire trucks have four wheels, fire, firefighters, and four plus eight equals 12. They're 12 inches in a foot. A foot is a ruler. Queen Elizabeth is a ruler. And the Queen Elizabeth is one of the largest ships on the seven seas. Seas have fish. Fish have fins. The fins fought the Russians. The Russians are red. Fire trucks are always Russian. Therefore, fire trucks are red. <laughs> okay, we laugh at it because it's so ridiculous. And it is absolutely ridiculous. But it's not any more ridiculous than the excuses that people sometimes give for not coming to church. It's true. I read about this man that was 105 years old who suddenly stopped going to church and uh, being concerned about his unexplained absence after so many years of faithful attendance, the preacher went to see him and he found this man in excellent health. So he asked him, he said, uh, how come after all these years of faithful attendance to church, you're not attending services anymore? And the old man looked around and kind of lowered his voice. He said, I tell you, preacher, when I got to be 90 years old, I expected God to take me any day. And, and then I got to be 95. And then I got to be 100. And now I'm 105. And preacher, I figured God must have gotten busy and forgotten about me. And I don't want to remind him. <laughs> yeah. When asked, why, when, asked, when, when asking people why they don't attend church, some folks say it's because church is boring. Church is just boring. It's, it's a bunch of repetitious, predictable, meaningless rituals. And, and granted, uh, going to church can be repetitious and be predictable and ritualistic, uh, but so can a lot of other things. You, you, no, no, think about it with me. Our, our everyday lives really are structured around what seems to be at times uh, repetitious and boring, predictable, meaningless, ritualistic cycles of work and eating and family and hobbies and whatever else there might be in our lives. The, the challenge that we face in these areas is the challenge to find something interesting and, or enjoyable about those things. Um, coming to church is no different. No, no, no. If you come to church expecting to find it uninteresting and unenjoyable and predictable and meaningless, you'll succeed. That's exactly what you're going to get out of it. Absolutely so. But being in church is about having an encounter with God. Being in church is about interact, interacting with God's people. And if you'll come to church expecting to meet with God, you will. No, he's a personal God. He wants to meet with us. So if you come expecting to meet with him, he, you will. And, and, and let me just say, if you'll quit rushing in and out and start making an effort to interact with other believers, you'll find your church experience much more rewarding and much more enjoyable. Yeah. Truly. Something else that folks say is, 
Well, preacher, you know, I work all week long, and Sunday's just my only day to sleep in. Well, okay. Okay, but that doesn't explain why they don't come to church Sunday night. No, 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 no. The, the truth is the problem is much deeper than the time of day. It, it's a matter of self-interest. No, what do you mean, preacher? This mindset, well, I'll do what I want to do regardless of what anybody says or anybody else does. No, it's a matter of self-interest. Selfishness, going to do what you want to do no matter what. That's really, no, it's, it's that matter. I'm not trying to be ugly. It's just the way that it is. It's the way that it is. Or how about this one? Well, all the church wants is my money. That's another favorite excuse of people that people give for not coming to church. But again, the truth is, if you choose to get involved in any kind of group, anything, anywhere, uh, be it a lodge or kids' soccer or bowling league or the list could go on, it's going to cost both time and money. Just the way that it is. And I can't speak for other churches, but I can speak for Riverside Baptist Church. And your money is not all we want. In fact, you know what we would rather see you give than money? We would rather see you give your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. That's what this church is all about. That's why we're here. Look, you, you can go to heaven without ever giving a dime to this church, but you can't go to heaven without Jesus. It's not going to happen. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, the reason I don't go to church is because there's too many hypocrites in church. Well, let me just say, amen. No, no, no. I, I, I'm a, look, look. <clears throat> okay. Uh, let me say this. There are too many hypocrites in church. Come on, I'm smiling. I ain't mad. Uh, there are too many hypocrites in church. So, you know, one more is not going to hurt. Just come on in. It's fun. In reality, we all have a little bit of hypocrite in us, don't we? Come on, none of us live up to what we say we believe 100% of the time. It's not that way. Well, let me ask you this. Are there any hypocrites where you work? Are there any hypocrites where you shop? Are there any hypocrites where you, where you golf or where you fish or where you hunt? They're everywhere. Don't let that stop you. I've had some folks tell me the reason that they don't come to church is because they always feel guilty when they leave. But let me help you with something here. The purpose of a church, a good Bible-believing, teaching, preaching church, is not to make you happy. The, the, the purpose of a church is to make you holy. To help you have a real walk with God. And if you'll come to church having to live a holy life or trying to live a holy life during the week, you're going to leave happy. Or if you'll take care of the sin in your life at an altar after a convicting sermon, you can leave happy. Amen. Truly. Guilt's not always a bad thing. Guilt is part of a, our conscience and, and is a gift from God to help us to do right, to do good. Read John chapter 16, you'll find that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to convict us. Part of this ministry is to convict us. Do you know what it means to convict someone? Uh, it means to find them guilty. There are times when I sit through a sermon and I feel like crawling under a pew because I'm overcome with guilt. Yeah. 
Okay, I won't have you raise your hand if you feel like that way too. But I do at times. And that's because I'm guilty of disobeying some part of God's word. I'm guilty as charged. He wants us to admit it when it happens. He wants us to repent of those things so we can leave a church service happy. So we can be a little more holy. So we can live the life that God would have us to live. He he deals with us that way because he is trying to help us. Anyway, I could go on and on and on about the excuses that people give for not being in church. But the bottom line is this. There is no good excuse for a Christian not to attend church. There's no good excuse. No, 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 no. Besides being something that pleases God, it is necessary. Church attendance is necessary for our spiritual well-being. God understands the difficulty of shut-ins and invalids, those that can't get around well. He understands that, absolutely so. But he has absolutely no understanding of those who could attend church service, but they're just too lazy, or they put other things uh, before him, or who harbor bitterness and indifference toward other believers. He just doesn't have a lot of tolerance for that. God help us to not be one of those who forsake the assembling of ourselves together with others for corporate worship. We need this. We need it. So with the time that I have left, I want to give you three reasons why I go to church. Three reasons. And the reason I'm going to give you are going to be different than the reason that one son gave his mom when she called to see if he was going to go to church. She called him. He said, no, I'm not going. And his mom said, oh, yes, you are. You get yourself up out of that bed and you get ready for church. And he said, no, mom, I'm never going back to that church again. Never going to go. His mom said, well, give me three good reasons why you should never go back to that church. He said, "Without he said, number one, because nobody likes me at that church. He said, number two, because there's just too many hypocrites in that church. And number three, because all they do is fight and fuss and bicker with each other all the time. His mom just came back and said, listen, I don't care what excuses you come up with. You still need to go to church. And the son said to his mom, okay, mom, give me three good reasons why I should go. His mom said, well, first of all, because it's Sunday and you're supposed to go to church on Sunday. She said, secondly, you're 48 years old and you know better. And thirdly, you're the pastor. Okay, that's one of the reasons I go. Okay, okay, I'll give you four then. We'll start with that one. I'm the pastor. That's why I go to church. Let me give you three reasons. I want to start with this one. It strengthens me spiritually to be at church. No, no, verse 23 there. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he's faithful that promise. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. What's going to help us to do that? Well, being under the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. Being around other people that have been saved by the grace of God. And they're holding fast to their profession of faith. In April of 1984, I made a profession of faith in Christ. And for over 38 years now, the church has been instrumental in helping me hold fast. That is, stay faithful, stay true to my profession. And that's what a good church does. It helps us to keep going. It helps us to stay on track. It helps us to keep going in the right direction. To hold fast in the faith, one must build up their faith. 
We have to be built up in the faith. John uh, Jude said in verse number 20 of the book of Jude, Be ye beloved, uh, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. So how does this building up happen then? Well, Acts chapter 20 and verse number 32, the Bible says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word, the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. So it's by the teaching and the preaching of God's word that we are built up in the faith. We need teaching. We need preaching. We need this exhortation. Did you know that that's why that we have the pulpit here in the middle of the platform and not off to one side? It says in the Bible that God's word is at the center. It's at the heart of everything we do. It's, it's at, it should be at the center of everything that we do. I believe that's an important statement to make in the day in which we live. To where the average church service consists about consists of about 45 minutes of music where the people do nothing more than congratulate themselves on their encounter with grace, and they call it worship. And then the pastor gets up and he delivers a lighthearted, informal 15-minute monologue that, they're, uh, that they are convinced is going to win this generation. The majority of today's pulpits are a far cry from they were back in Paul's day. I mean, listen to the admonition of of the Apostle Paul to his young preacher boy, Timothy. He told him clearly to preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. That is exactly what we still need in 2022. It's exactly what we need. I don't care. No, no, no. I don't care which way the churches have gone off and trying to be people pleasers and just trying to build up crowds. No, 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 no. That's not what the church ever meant was ever meant to be. Church is a place where you come and you learn the word of God and, and, and you fellowship with the brethren and, and you are, you are, the word of God is preached and it's convicting and it hits us right where we need to be hit so that we can repent of those things. That's a good Bible word. I love it. So that we can repent of those things, stop doing those things, trusting God, allow Him to give us victory in those, those, those places. No, no, a church service was never meant to be just a social gathering. Although I love to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ, a church service was meant to uh, meet with God. And when a holy God shows up, listen to me, look up here. And when a holy God shows up, if there is sin in our life, there will be conviction. We just need to be willing to respond to whatever, however God would speak to us. I want to publicly thank God that during the early years of my walk with God, that I went to a church that had a preacher that stood behind the pulpit and preached the word faithfully and fearlessly. And because it was faithful, fearless preaching that uh, uh, it, it helped me to be built up in the faith. I've said before from this pulpit that there are plenty of things to fault me for as a pastor and a preacher. Absolutely so. But the one thing I don't ever want to be said about me with even an ounce of validity is that I did not preach the word of God. My responsibility is to preach this book without fear and favor of men, without fear and favor of women. Just preach the book as God lays it out there. A churchgoer wrote a letter 
to a, uh, the editor of a newspaper years ago, and it complained uh, that it made no sense to go to church every Sunday. It, it said this, I've gone for 30 years now, and in that time I have heard something like 3,000 sermons. But for the life of me, I can't remember a single one of them. So I think I'm wasting my time, and the pastor is wasting his by preaching sermons at all. And that started a real controversy uh, in the letters to the editor column, much to the delight of the editor, of course. A lot of people writing in about this, and it went on for weeks and weeks and weeks until someone wrote this, this. I've been married for 30 years now. In that time, my wife has cooked some 32,000 meals. But for the life of me, I cannot recall the entire menu of a single one of those meals. But I do know this. They all nourished me and gave me strength I needed to do my work. If my wife had not given me these meals, I would be physically dead today. Likewise, if I had not gone to church for nourishment, I would be spiritually dead today. I'm telling you, the more you miss church, the less you'll miss church you will spiritually wither up. Oh, no, no. It doesn't mean you'll lose your salvation, but I'm telling you, spirituality can be gone in your life. Church is essential. One of the reasons I go to church is because it strengthens me spiritually. But another is this. It motivates me for ministry. It makes me want to minister that much more. Um, let me read you this the church was bowed in grief this week to learn that one of its most valuable members someone else passed away this death creates a vacancy that will be difficult to to fill someone else has been with us for many years during all these years he did far more than a normal person share the work Whenever leadership was mentioned, this wonderful person was looked to for inspiration as well as results. Whenever there was a job to do, a class to teach, or a meeting to attend, one name was on everyone's list, and they would say, let someone else do it. Someone else was also among the largest givers of the church. Whenever there was a financial need, everyone just assumed that someone else would make up the difference. This beloved church member was a wonderful person, sometimes appearing superhuman. But one person can only do so much. Everyone expected too much from someone else. Can I just say the ministry is not for someone else? The ministry is for you and me. Okay. Every member of Riverside Baptist Church is a minister or should be. When you first got saved, were there people that helped you to walk with God? I can say there were people that helped me to walk with God. I remember being invited over to Christian's house, a Christian couple's house. My wife and I invited for, for a meal. And we got, walked in this place, and their house looked ooh, a whole lot different than our place all those years ago. I thought, man, wow, these people live different. Because Christians should live different, shouldn't they? And it helped me. No, it helped me 
that they ministered to us at that time. We didn't know anything about living for God. We didn't even know anything about what what a real Christian was supposed to be like. We didn't know anything like that, but we learned a lot just sitting at that supper table that night of how they lived and what they did. They ministered to us. They encouraged us. We should all, the ministry is for you. It's for me. We need to be a part of the ministry around here. That's for sure. Verse number 24 there says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. So part of my responsibility just as a member of Riverside Baptist Church is to provoke or to stir up or to arouse or to invite others of Riverside Baptist Church to to be involved in doing good works. That we would be reaching out to our community. That we would be reaching out to one another and helping one another live the life that God would have us to live. That we would be encouraging and edifying I mean, I think it's interesting that I'm not to come to church to see what I can get from others, but to see what I can give to others. Amen. I'm not to come to church wondering, well, what, they, what, they, what can they do for me? I'm to come to church wondering, how can I be a help to somebody else? How can I be a blessing to someone today? How can I encourage someone today? How can I edify someone today? How can I be there for someone today? The wonderful thing about giving into the lives of others is that you end up being blessed in return. It will always help you. We need to get outside of ourselves. So by giving your getting, by elevating your level of commitment, you will be encouraging others to elevate theirs. Come on, everybody should be involved in some way, shape, or form. Everyone should be involved. Every time I see someone step it up a notch, it motivates me to step it up a notch as well. I want to continue to grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, just like everybody else here should be wanting to continue in in the nurture and admonition of the Lord to grow closer to God. That's how it's supposed to work according to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 2. For I know the forwardness of your mind for which I boast of you to them in Macedonia and Achaia was ready a year ago and your zeal, get this, your zeal hath provoked very many. I like being around people that show their love for God and their love for church. And their love for ministry. I love being around people like that. Well, come. It encourages me. It helps me. It exhorts me. In regard to Paul's words to the Corinthians, one commentator had this to say. He said, while Christians must not compete with each other in their service for Christ, they ought to consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. When we see what God is doing in and through the lives of others, we ought to strive to serve Him, God, better ourselves. There's a fine line between fleshly imitation and spiritual emulation. And we must be careful in this regard. But a zealous Christian can be the means of stirring up a church and motivating people to pray and work and witness and give. And that's a fact. That's an absolute fact. Boy, preacher, I tell you, it seemed like some of the people in here during the song service and all, they get real excited. Yeah, why don't you? Why aren't you excited? Why didn't it move you? 
I, I mean, why is it? No, 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 no. Why is it? I'm glad that everybody's here, but why is it that you've come to sit in this place? I mean, did you really come to sing praises unto God? Because, I mean, that's what the song service is all about. It's not, it's not entertainment. It's, it's, not, it's not just something to fill up a time slot. I mean, we are singing praises to Him. We're singing praises to Him. Man, oh man, we have a great God. He's full of amazing grace, isn't he? Absolutely. Those old hymns, they'll move us if we'll allow them to move us. And then during the preaching of the Word of God, I mean, we come because we want to hear from God, right? We want to hear what the Word of God says. Well, the Word of God says, let, uh, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Come on, that's just as much Bible as John 3.16. I mean, we should take that. No, no, we should take that just as well as we take any other part of the Bible of what we're supposed to be doing. We live in a world where it's hard to be a... Mm -hmm. we, we live in a world where it's a challenge to be a faithful Christian, don't we? Come on, we're, because we're surrounded by darkness. I talked about that some in Sunday school today. We're surrounded by darkness. So it's, it's, it's a challenge to be a faithful Christian. Absolutely, out there. We should be faithful. We should let our light shine. Absolutely so. But when we come in here, it shouldn't be that much of a challenge. Because we're all here for one purpose, and that is to hear from Him. To sing praises unto Him. To worship Him in spirit and in truth. There's so much more to church life than people think. It's not just going through your it's not just going through your religious rituals so you can chalk it up for the week. And if that's all it is, no no no, and, and, and I'm not going to be I'm not trying to be ugly when I say that, but if that's all it is to you, you're living a very you are living a very monotonous, boring Christian life. Because there's so much more. There's so much more. But the only way that people are ever going to really discover that is by being in church. And not forsaking the assembling or the gathering together of themselves with God's people. I come to church because it helps me. It helps me to be here. I look forward to it. Absolutely. Okay, I said three reasons. One more. Okay? It prepares me personally. Prepares you. Yeah, did you notice the last words there in verse number 25? It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more, here's what it says, as you see the day approaching. So what day is the Apostle Paul talking about? Well, he's talking about that day of Christ's return. Okay, whether you want to believe it or not, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. And I can't help but feel, and I know they've been saying it for hundreds of years, but I can't help but feel that it's going to be soon with everything that's going on in our world today, around the world today, and all things that are coming together. Anybody that reads their Bible would have to agree with that for sure. 
So there's going to come a time that we as believers, those that are born again, saved by the grace of God, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I said there's going to come a time that you, if if you've been saved by the grace of God, there will come a time that you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So he says, you're not supposed to, no, no, let's not be forsaking this assembly of ourselves together. You know, we need to be exhorting one another and, and, and even that much more as we see that day approaching. And when that time comes, we stand before the judgment seat of Christ one at a time answering to him. One of the things that we're going to account for is our service in and through the church. And that will include uh, our faithfulness or our lack thereof. No, no, no. One of these days as believers, y'all still with me here? One of these days as believers, we will stand before the Lord and we'll give an account of what we have done with our Christian life, whether it be good or bad. The Bible is very clear about that. We'll give an account of our Christian life. Paul described that judgment like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 13, he said, Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So we are in no danger of losing our salvation. Somebody say amen right there. I'm thankful that uh, I'm not holding on to him, but he's holding on to me. But what we have done with our Christian life will be tried. I just don't want to be left Standing in a pile of ashes. I want to hopefully continue to stay faithful to God in His church. Because I'm going to look Him in the face one of these days. I'm talking about the one that died for me. I'm talking about the one that that shed his blood for my sin. I will look him in the face one of these days and answer. No, I'm talking about the one that, that, that gave me a home in heaven because he paid the price for it. I will have to look him in the face one of these days. I really don't think at that point that there's going to be any looking down at the ground and kicking rocks. I think we'll give an answer. And at that point, there's not going to be any excuses like, well, if they would have, oh, no, no, no. At that point, it's just us and God. Just us and the Lord. Give an answer of what we have done or what we have not done with the talents that He gave us, the abilities He gave us, the opportunities he gave us, what we have done with his church.
For me personally, I really can't think of any other day I'd rather have Jesus come back than Sunday. Oh, no, no, I, I, no, 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 no. I, I don't know of any place I'd rather be than right here in this pulpit. Doing the work that God has called me to do. <clears throat> a boss heard about a man in his company who was constantly slacking off on a job. So one day he snuck up behind him. He caught him just sound asleep. Just sound asleep. And so he woke him up and he asked him, why aren't you busy working? What are you doing sleep? Why, why, why aren't you busy working? And the man said, because I didn't see you coming. <laughs> yeah. You know, if people knew that Jesus was going to return today at noon, this church, well, it'd be a lot more packed than it is right now. But he is coming back. We don't know when, but it could be today. Oh, no, no. All prophecy that need be fulfilled for him to return has been fulfilled. We're just waiting for him to come. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. We ought to be encouraging one another to be in church service for sure. We ought to be inviting everybody we know to be in church service. The Bible says that the hour that we think He's not coming may very well be the hour He does come. And so the question really is, will you be ready? Will you be ready for that? And it's very important that we know that we know that we've been saved by the grace of God. That we truly have put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Very important. But it's also important after we have been saved that we're faithful to Him and to His church. We're faithful. People that say, well, you know, I don't need church to be a Christian. That's, that's true. That's true. You can be saved. That's, that's true. But you can't be a good Christian and not attend church. No, no, it's part of what the Bible says. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Me and my church. A Christian without a church is like a student without a school, or a soldier without an army, or a sailor without a ship, or a player without a team, or a bee without a hive. Oh, no. Students in schools, soldiers in armies, sailors in ships, players in teams, bees in hives, they all go together. They go together. Certainly. And so do Christians and churches. They just go together. Let me ask you, do you know Christ as your personal Savior? Because if you don't, we would really like to help you understand how you can know. This church can't save you. I can't save you. Water baptism can't save you. Jesus saves. Amen. 
The Bible gives us clear, no, 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 it, it, it gives us clear instruction and it tells us that we can know that we have trusted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. Do you know? We'd love a chance to sit down with you, open up the Bible, show you what the Bible says about it all. Well, I don't need anybody shoving stuff down my throat. We don't do that around here. Oh, I'll say it again. We don't do that around here. We're not going to twist your arm, try to make you make a profession of faith. Uh, we're not going to try to trick you in with some type of a salesmanship presentation to get you to say some prayer because just prayer doesn't save you. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ saves you. We, we want people to know the Lord. And then Christians, believers that are here today, what are your thoughts about church attendance and serving in your church? What are your thoughts about that? I'm not asking you for an answer, but it's something you really should think about. What are your thoughts about that? Are, are they what they should be in the eyes of God? Because He's the one you'll answer to one of these days. You'll answer to Him. Maybe you need to make a decision to change some things. Your thoughts, your service, your ministry. Be a good morning to do that. Just let God have His way. If you're here today and you're not saved by the grace of God, we'd love for you to come so we could take you aside and show you how you can have that settled. If you're here today and you are saved by the grace of God, but church doesn't seem to be a real big deal to you, Maybe you need to let God change your mind about that. Everybody needs a ministry. Even if it's just exhorting others to be prepared for the coming day. For sure. Stand with me. Would you stand? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. We're going to stand. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Please, in respect of others around you and respect of the Lord. We're not going to take long. It very well could be that you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Well, we'd love for you to come this morning. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But if you'd come this morning, there'd be somebody happy to meet you. We'd love to take you aside somewhere and take a Bible, show you how you can have that settled. So very important before you ever leave this world. Christian, you're here this morning and church just has become a Well, it's not what it should be. Maybe you just need to make a decision to put Jesus back on the throne of your own heart and allow Him to have His way in your life. Heavenly Father, bless the invitation. I pray for those in here that do not know Christ as their Savior, that you would convince them that that's their greatest need because Truly, you're the one that can convince them of that. That you would convict them and draw them to yourself. And Lord, that they would even come, walk an aisle this morning and let us take a Bible and show them. That's our desire. We need your help. We need to put you first. And part of that is going to be putting your church in the place it belongs. Bless this invitation, Father, as only you can. We trust that you will, and we ask these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, piano's going to play. You need to come this morning. Why don't you come and have a talk with the Lord?